Welcome to Shit We Do For Love, the podcast where we delve deep into the gap between our human need for love and connection and our secret belief that we're not really good enough to be loved. This gap has us forever trapped in people-pleasing, procrastination and perfection and all sorts of nonsense as we try to measure up and be the person we've been told is worthy of love, all the while missing the truth about how amazing we already are. I'm your host, the Love Your Bloody Self coach, Wendy Windle. Fancy having boundaries that get back time for you? Then head to wendywindle.com to pick up your free guide, because never having time for ourselves is just some more shit we do for love. Hello, love. On today's Shit We Do For Love, I want to check in with you and see if you are living at the center of your own story. In her book, The Top 5 Regrets of the Dying, Bronnie Ware, a palliative care nurse, recorded her patient's biggest end-of-life regrets. And number one, hold on to your hat now, spoiler alert, it's not the regret of not spending enough time in the gym or wish I had better hair. The number one regret of the dying is, I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life that others expected of me. I'm going to say that again. I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. In the previous episode of Shit We Do For Love, Aimlessness and Writer's Block, The Side Effects of People Pleasing with Dr. Cindy Childress, we got into a bit of story swapping about how we both ended up in our 20s, fully grown adults, trying to live a life to please our daddies. So welcome to Shit We Do For Love, Casting Ourselves as a sidekick in our own story. Here's my story. I was enrolled in a Masters of Theatre Studies program, so I was going to get an MA in Theatre Studies. Now, the only thing you can do with an MA in Theatre Studies is get a PhD in Theatre Studies and become a professor. It's a completely academic program. There's absolutely no practical. So that's what I was doing, and I was not happy. And I know that I wasn't happy because I couldn't stop eating. I pretty much had a family-sized pack of peanut butter Captain Crunch cereal parked under my arm at all times that I was on the college campus so that I could wander about scoffing down handfuls of sugar and fat trying to avoid the thing that I knew. And the thing that I knew was that I had made a terrible mistake. I loved thing and I liked studying. But this level of studying, the thing that I actually wanted to be doing, was breaking my heart every single day. But what was I supposed to do? I had flown all the way to the States and I was doing this degree. That was it. I'd made my decision. I was doing it. But it was killing me. But I won't think about that. I'll just eat, right? (laughs) So one day I'm in my second semester of this. I've gained about 20 pounds of pure sugar weight. Just to be clear, the problem isn't that I'd put on weight. The problem was that it was unhealthy. I was basically just eating my feelings. I'm walking down a corridor. Captain Crunch parked under my arm, probably had a Dr. Pepper in my hand as well. And a professor, Dr. Jack Parkhurst, jumps out at me and invites me to come into his office and sit down with him. Now, Jack is at the time a father, he's still a father, but his girls were about my age at the time. So he sees the signs. He knows that I'm stuck. And he asks me what the hell I'm doing. And I can't even believe that I'm saying this as it starts to come out of my mouth. But it turns out that the reason I was there doing this MA, onto a PhD, to become a professor, was to try and make my dad proud of me. 
Now, if you had asked me straight out if that's why I'd gotten on a plane from Northern Ireland to Springfield, Missouri, to sign away years of my life to read what other people said about theater, I would have denied it. I was a strong, independent woman. But Jack did a clever thing, and he asked me what I loved about the theatre. And all I talked about was acting. Not reading about it, doing it, making it, being in the rehearsal room and then on stage. And then he asked me just to wonder out loud why I wasn't then at drama school doing a practical degree in acting. And I talked and talked, and soon enough got to the bit of my life story where my dad even though I dropped out of English lit studies in my first year of university, kept telling people that I was going to be an English teacher. And how once I'd said that I was going to get a master's degree, he got so excited about the prospect of me then being able to get a PhD that it was just easier to picture myself being a theatre professor than facing up to what I really wanted to do and to be, which was an actress. And here's the thing, here's the insidious little gubbin about people-pleasing. Eating down my real dream with handfuls of cereal felt easier and safer than admitting what I really wanted to do. Because I'd been raised to please others, especially my parents, first, it felt safer, calmer in my nervous system to go along with this subconsciously, but go along with my dad's story for me rather than to choose my own. Choosing me my wants, my desires, my dreams felt terrifying. Now let's just pause here and breathe together. If you've been conditioned to please other people first, to not be the center of your own story, then putting yourself center stage, <laughs> see what I did there, is it's going to set off alarm bells inside your head. Your brain will give you the signal that this is not safe, danger, danger. And what is safe is falling back into what we do habitually, putting other people's needs and desires for us and our behavior first, leaving ourselves out of the central role in our own story, sacrificing our dreams on the altar of what would make a dominant man or the idea of a dominant male culture in our lives happy. And absolutely no shade at my dad here. It wasn't his fault. And you know what? <laughs> Professor Parkhurst actually said to me, I can guarantee you that your dad would be happy no matter what you do. And he was 100% right. But I'd been raised in a world where there are no female protagonists. None of the books, plays or films that I consumed as a child had female or female drive, ambitions and desires at the center of the story. Star Wars, Star Trek, oh Lord, nerd reveal here. Black Beauty, The Black Stallion. Oh my God, I had no friends. The never-ending story, Ghostbusters. Okay, look, there was Labyrinth and Terminator, but the female central characters in these stories were victims of some plot against them. They weren't acting from agency in their own desires. There were no stories about women who just decided a course in life and went for it. No woman at the center of a hero's journey. So no wonder I was living my life as a reaction to a male influence in my life. No one had told me that I could be the star of my own story. And that's what I wanted to check in with you about today, love. Are you being the star of your own story? And I don't mean the diva. 
I just mean, do you live out your days as the central character, not as Daisy's mom or Tom's wife or an employee at Bro Firm Limited? Are you letting what you want shape your to-do list? Are you putting your dreams ahead of taking care of other people? And by the way, if the idea of that is giving you the cold sweats, this is so an episode for you. What is really motivating your daily choices? Is it agency and making your own decisions? Or are you there to react and respond to someone else's story? That is some shit we do for love right there. Being on hand to be a supporting character in someone else's story instead of starring in our own. Now, you might not find that you've enrolled in the wrong program or that you're doing entirely the wrong job for you. Things can get much more subtle than that. It's about mindset. Are you allowed to have a me thought or only we thoughts? Do you go about your day with a sense of pride in yourself? Or are you working for an invisible outside influence that you're somehow hoping to get validation from? Are your efforts just because that's what you want to do with your day? Or do you carry the weight of feeling like this is what you should be doing? Remember, putting ourselves at the center of the story will not feel safe at first. It might not even feel like the right or the natural thing to do because we have been left out of the central narrative for so long. We're not in the story unless we're either wearing next to nothing or wiping up babysick. So this course correction might feel wrong. But if you're getting through your days looking for a pat on the head or scoffing down boxes of cereal so you don't explode in grief, there's nothing right about doing that to yourself. Come and let me support you. Come and join the Love Your Bloody Self Club over at wendywindle.com forward slash love club. That's wendywindle.com forward slash love club. Or drop me an email, wendy at wendywindle.com and tell me how you're going to put yourself at the center of your own story. I'm excited to read it, but I'm more excited for you to go and live it. I bloody love you.